Join us for live sweats. Oh! Yes! Let's go, Kansas State. That was a big balls three. Three minutes ago. Big balls three. Instant reaction. This is an unbelievable thing for me to see. My favorite team, my true favorite team. Less mistress, more side piece. And maybe a few regrettable decisions. Oh, he's got bust written all over him. Gudikin sucks. Jordan Edison ran a 5-3-40, and he's Tristis height. I'd take him. You know you shouldn't have done? Bet on the Wizards. Yep. Now, live from Washington, D.C., it's Ryan Horvat, Trista Crick, and Nick Ashew. Trista and Nick tonight. We're on Twitch. We're on YouTube. We're on the Odyssey app nationwide all over the BetQL network. we got a loaded college basketball slate, tons of NBA games tonight, some last-minute injuries too, which, Trista, this has become a trend as we know in the NBA Check in on games late. Check in on games right before tip because you may have some very impactful injuries that kick in. Like now, Jalen Brunson not going to be playing for the Knicks, a game that tips off in 40 minutes. Yeah, and Isaiah Hartenstein not playing and also in a game that's meaningful to almost no one. Uh, no Paolo Bancaro, Paolo Banchero in the Magic game. So the line has moved from the Magic being 10.5-point favorites to six and a half point favorites, um, which I do have something in that game, but I do want to get to this game starting at 7-10 first. It is, Nick, the Jordan Poole, Draymond Green revenge oh, game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, Jordan Poole was moved to the bench three games ago, and since then he's had 18, 21, and 31. A lot of people, including myself, were thinking maybe it's just because he's been a chucklehead but he is saying that his coach is moving him to the bench to be more of like a Lou Williams on-ball role, something that's different than his role that he was playing because Tyus Jones has been bringing the ball up. So he's been awesome since he's been on the bench. The line is at 17.5. So I actually like overs on Jordan Poole, over 17.5 points. We know that the Warriors defensively have been abysmal, like, just kind of not themselves. But more importantly, Nick, in my in my Jordan Poole, Draymond Green parlay, as it were, we've got over five and a half assists for Draymond Green and over seven and a half rebounds for Draymond Green. We know what time it is, right? Big men against the Wizards. And now this mm-hmm. man has a little extra motivation. If I could bet technical fouls, I might be able to do that as well. <laughs> so if you put Draymond Green over seven and a half rebounds, over five and a half assists. Jordan Poole, over 17 and a half points. That's plus 415. And if you like the Warriors, minus 10 and a half as well, and add that to the mix, it goes to plus 1300. The Wizards have lost 11 straight, so they're not winning this one. And I think that maybe they keep it close early, but eventually this game gets out of hand. You are exactly in the mindset that I'm with, except I'm staying away from Jordan Poole because I've said too much on Washington radio that you can't trust the guy, so I'm not going to go out and actually try and trust him. So you are brave, though he has been much better coming off the bench, but Draymond, Draymond, a big man. It's kind of different than, you know, normally we're looking at more centers. Draymond kind of plays his own role. He's, you know, he's center sometimes. Like, he counts as the big man against the Wizards in this. I'm with you 100% points and uh you know assists and rebounds i took the over seven and a half rebounds too i mean the wizards are notorious for allowing big games from big men i mean chet holmgren just had double digit rebounds uh jared allen i think it was either jared allen or evan mobley whenever they played one of them double digit rebounds so you're going to get that time and time again from everybody so i am 100 percent right there with you on it and i would love to see the first interaction of jordan Poole and draymond green in this game because now Draymond's you know took some time off kind of 
Wusa got into his, you know, cleared his head a little bit, kind of was reset. Maybe it's going to be different than everybody expects. Maybe, yeah, it's Draymond Namaste. He's just going to be out there. He's going to, maybe he's going to walk up and even give a big hug to Jordan Poole. I would love to get a market on that. Probably wouldn't happen, but I cannot wait to just see what that interaction looks like tonight. You know, and really, there's a couple. This one tips at 740, but like there's another great revenge game too. John Collins against the Hawks. He has not played the Hawks yet since they traded him, and it was not a good situation at the end. Uh, he's been in the trade, you know, on the trade block for years. I took the over 25 and a half PR for a PRA for him, Trista. He's averaging 34 and a half points, rebounds, and assists over his last or in the entire month of February, not just the last 10 games, the entire month of February. That's almost nine lower than what the number has been for him. And look, we know this. It's a narrative bet to a point, but guys, when they see their former teams or somebody that was a former teammate, maybe in the Draymond Green, Jordan Poole situation, that theme can work out in multiple scenarios there. And I think that's another one in that Atlanta game too. Yeah, I like that one. Also, 7.30 is a tip for Philadelphia and Boston. And listen, like Boston, I've said a lot of mean things about what they are. And, and on top of that, I've said that they're a stay away team. But I'm going to have to do it. I'm going to have to take the Celtics minus 10 and a half against the Sixers. Sixers are 3-7 and seven against the spread in their last 10. Without Joel Embiid, this team just cannot cover against good teams. But more importantly, I really like Tobias Harris under 16.5 points. This is the best defense in the NBA by a long shot. You've got a lot of different players who can do a lot of different things. And this defense meshes like a little amoeba depending on who they play. And Tobias Harris without, a jo without Joel Embiid has just not really been himself. He's averaging 13 points per game in his last 10. And the number against the best defense in the NBA is 16 and a half. I think he has 10 points. I, I honestly think he has like 10, 12 points in this game. So Tobias Harris under 16 and a half. Celtics minus 10 and a half. And then one more. Uh, there is no worse team right now than the Nets on the second night of a back-to-back. -back. They are... Uh, two and five against the spread with no rest, and Orlando is ten and three as a home favorite. Nets three and seven against the spread in their last ten. They just beat Memphis. I do not care. The only games they're beating teams on is San Antonio, Philly without Embiid. So I like the Magic with no Paolo minus six and a half. If there was somebody that you were going to take though to bet on in this Magic game now that there's no Paolo, would that be Franz Wagner for you? Like who who would you be looking yeah. to? to target now that Paolo's out. You know, it's interesting you say that because there's another game, and we'll finish this first, where I'm, I'm looking at a couple players with bigger roles, right? It's like, okay, who, in these situations, for the Knicks for a while, right? We talked about Josh Hart and how he's played in the absence of Julius Randle and what he's picked up there. There's always one or two guys that does something, picks up whatever that specific role that need is to fill in. I think it'd be Franz Wagner in that game. We've watched him as kind of the number two option at times for that team offensively. He can go out there and get you buckets when you need it. Not Mo, but Franz Wagner. So I would probably lean towards him with Paolo Bancaro out. So yeah, I'm with you there. 22 and a half is his number. Minus 115 both ways. I like that. Also, no shade mm -hmm. to Mo Wagner. His number is 10 and a half. He's had some huge games. Uh, and I see no big men props for the Nets. So I wonder, no, Nick Claxton's right there. 11 and a half points for Nick Claxton. So yeah, I'd be curious to see maybe if I should bet on Mo Wagner. He's been really, really consistent, 
him and Franz together. Yeah, with no Paolo, probably a stay away in terms of player props, but I really do like the Magic now that lines move from like 10.5 to 6.5. That uh, Mo Wagner number has gone up a ton too because it was 6.5 like a week ago. Yeah. And that was like the easiest over I think I've taken in the long in a long time. I, I think it went over in like the first half or something. So yeah, now with again we obviously know now with Paolo Bancaro out, that's going to be a, a, a slightly different situation. Another one in this uh, totally. the Hawks Jazz game with Trey Young now out for the Hawks. This is a great opportunity for Bogdan Bogdanovich and specifically, you know how much I love this guy, Dejounte Murray. I loved him in San Antonio. He's been. I mean, he becomes the guy on this team when Trey Young is out. He's averaging 26 points a game this season in games that Trey Young has missed. I mean, the dude, so I took the over 24 and a half points. I also took the over on his assist. That did get bumped up to nine and a half, but it was plus money. He just had 11 with Trey out last time. So he's going to go out there and play more along the lines of the DeJounte Murray that he was in San Antonio, which was a triple-double threat every single night. Bogdan Bogdanovich also against a, a Jazz team that's 25th in defensive efficiency here. I took the over on his points as well. A lot of that is they these guys have already been playing well, but without Trey Young, there's more shots, more touches, more opportunities for both of them. And they tend to be the the two focal points that they want to run the offense through when you don't see Trey Young out there. And hell, even sometimes when Trey's actually out there too. Because as you know, Trista, some nights you get good Trey, some nights you get bad Trey. And then the bad Trey is when those two guys have stepped up this season. Yeah, DeJounte Murray, I like his assists and rebounds too. 14 and a half. It is juice minus 160. So you might want to put that in something, uh, in some sort of same game parlay or put it with some other games mm -hmm. that you like just because the value isn't great. But listen, like he's an assist machine, but also a really good, kind of an under the radar or underrated rebounder. So I like him. I also like Jalen Johnson. I think Jalen Johnson's taking this team to the promised land. No Trey yes. Young to take a bunch of shots. You look at Jalen Johnson and his number. I'm trying to find some points for him. And for whatever reason, I do not see it. Let me see here. I'm just check, checking things out. Because I just wanted to add this late. No Jalen Johnson. Oh, 18 and a half. Ooh, my goodness, guys. Ooh, I think mm -hmm. I have to stay away from that. I think that's a big number yeah. for Jalen Johnson. It's start well. The market's caught up with him a little bit too, right? I mean, he's somebody yes. this year. We're looking at like twelve and a half, thirteen and a half for a good yeah. portion of the season. He continued to just show that like the kid's got serious talent, and his continue as his role continued to grow for Atlanta throughout the season. People started jumping on that. That was one of my favorite auto plays for a good portion of this year. But the market's really caught up to that, especially with Trey Young out there. So yeah, I'm probably just going to stick with Bogdanovich and Murray there, just given the fact that they're. You know, those numbers are at least a little bit fairer compared to an inflated one with Jalen Johnson. But you know how this goes, right? This could be a Jalen Johnson night, and he goes off for 30, and then we're just sitting here going, why didn't I take that? That's that's how the betting gods get you every single time, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where you can't really be adding bets last minute. You should probably do a little research mm -hmm. and not just, ooh, I kind of like to add this to my slate as well. <laughs> you know, every once in a while, though, you just have a gut feeling and sometimes you just follow yeah. your gut. You're like, I don't even know why I feel this way. I'm just going to do it. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. But that's maybe when it's more of a sprinkle and maybe you don't give that out or you say, hey, this is just a gut feeling. I don't know if you want to tell me on this, but I did this anyway, and I have no reason for it. Sometimes that's just what ends not, up being. But, yeah. You're not doing anything in this Dallas-Cleveland game? You know what's funny? I saw a lot of people on Donovan Mitchell today, and I just – I know he was sick in his first game back, and this feels more like a Donovan Mitchell back to himself. I just wanted to stay away. I just, 
Yeah. I, I, I felt like I was really close to going back in on uh, Luca again uh, and Kyrie because he's been shooting the ball really well. I just – it I, I was – damn it, I may still do it, Trista. Yeah, I thought about it. Yeah, I might. I might still go in on it. I mean, for me, it was down to Luca and Luca points. Probably Luca PRA and then Kyrie threes. Kyrie has been on an absolute tear from the outside, but I got to see what that's priced at at this point right now. So that's the only question is whether or not that's actually going to be worth it at this point because you know you want to bet your props early. Yeah, good. Maybe a live betting situation. Maybe Donovan Mitchell starts slow and you want to grab him at yeah. a at a reduced number. Donovan Mitchell is a is a roller coaster in terms of betting his props. I'm not a fan. Uh, of betting on him. I'm mm-hmm. actually got this game pulled up right now and he just bricked from deep off the back iron. So, yeah, this may be one of those scenarios where you want to bet these guys live. Also, I kind of like um, your man, Daniel Gafford, and which is another reason that the mm-hmm. Wizards probably aren't going to be able to defend the interior at all now that Daniel Gafford has been traded and traded to the Dallas Mavericks. But he's been really good. Him and P.J. Washington have been pretty integral to this run that the Dallas Mavericks have been having. They've been playing a lot better since the trade deadline. But boy, oh boy, right now, is it a uh, is it absolute brick fest two minutes into the game? Yeah, and I, just, I mean, it's also one of those games that could start off like this and then everybody settles in because it's a big game between two. You know, well, I know the Mavs are an eight seed, but they've been playing really well recently. We know what Cleveland's trying to do. But you're right, like Donovan Mitchell has been, like Donovan Mitchell at his best looks like an MVP. Donovan Mitchell right. in some of these down games. It's not Trey Young down, but it's still you have those and you just you worry that coming off of what did he have, like 16 in his first game back since he was sick or whatever. I mean, I don't know. What if right. he's still not feeling great? I, I don't know how he feels. What if he's still got a little uh, a bubbly in the tumbly, if you will, and you don't want to go out there and you realize he's maybe not 100% and the minutes are down or the shots aren't falling or whatever the case is. I just Anytime a guy comes off of uh, an illness, even more than an injury, Illness can just affect you. You know this. We all know this. Everybody gets sick. Like you, it gets you just you're just different, and then you're sluggish, and then it takes a little time to get all of your energy back, your wind back, whatever the case is. So I want to see at least a game of him before. If he does play well, okay, then I won't I won't be mad and feel like I have betting FOMO because I didn't take anything with Donovan Mitchell tonight. Yeah, no, I feel that this is going to be a really good game. If you don't have it pulled up, this I think this Dallas Cleveland game is going to be the best game of the night, truthfully. I look at the slate, yeah. bunch yeah. of guys on uh, that are sitting out due to injury, especially some on the Knicks. Obviously, Philly completely injured. Golden State and Washington isn't anything. Brooklyn, Orlando. But this is actually going to be, I think, a meaningful game if you're looking to see like how good these teams are. Obviously, Cleveland's been an absolute monster in their last like 25 games. And Dallas, like I said, has been better since the trade deadline. This is going to be... And both get by on their defense right now, especially considering... That was Dallas's like main weakness, and they're a lot better now that they've mm-hmm. gone and gotten uh, you know Derek Lively's healthy and Daniel Gafford as a backup. So turn turn it on, uh, Ashu. I'm kind of bummed that I didn't bet anything, um, but it's going to be a fun one just to watch. Yeah, but at least I know now if it's been a roller coaster brick fest to start, then I won't feel so bad if I stayed away from a couple things. And that gut feeling maybe Definitely. turned out okay. But you know, it's it's funny when you talk about Dallas too. I mean, Kyrie since he came back. Right? 29 and 29, last two games. Eight threes over his last two. I mean, if you even go back to the entire month of February, 27 points a game, shooting 56% from the field. Like, he's actually played well, and maybe this could work out with Luka in the end. I mean, that's the only option they have before Luka asks for a trade somewhere else anyway. So, they gotta, you got to make it work, I guess, right? All right, Kyle McEwen, a little college hoops with us next at MGM Tonight.
Now, back to BetMGM Tonight on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. This is Rick Nagashu, early 12 10 lead for the Mavs over the Cavs, 6 18 to go in the first quarter there. Uh, Kyrie Irving already 2 of 5. He's got 5 points, hit a 3. So. Starting to pick up the pace a little bit after a brick fest, as you said, to start things off a little bit. Yeah, Donovan Mitchell, one of four. Evan Mobley, one of five. So some really bad shooting to start. What is really the premier game, at least in the NBA tonight? No doubt. Well, I mean, both these teams want to get by on their defense, so that's what they're doing is forcing missed shots. I guess that's a good thing. Doesn't mean – no, because then we don't want to watch that. Come on, I want points, Trista. Lots of points. All the points. (laughs) All the points that we could possibly have. No, I get it. I get jumps it. On with but, us again. Uh... <laughs> Guy McEwen jumps on with us. Three-man weave. Uh, before we get to everything, you know, moving forward, getting close to the tournament, I want to make sure, given that there's a lot of games that have already started tonight, is there anything in a live game that you like that might be a live betting opportunity or even some games later tonight that you want to give out before we kind of dig down into what's soon to be March Madness? Yeah, uh, I, I liked the over in the LSU-Georgia game uh, pre-tip. It's looking okay so far, knock on wood. Not sure there's necessarily a live opportunity to jump in there. Uh, just kind of looking at scores here. I did kind of like Wisconsin at Indiana, despite Xavier Johnson being in the lineup. But Wisconsin's been horrible on the road this season. 2-8 and eight against the spread on the road. Not great. I'm just not really a believer in the Indiana team anymore. I, I think they're basically done in terms of giving up on the season. Um, it's what it feels like in the locker room per the media reports. Uh, so maybe you want to jump on Wisconsin money line. We'll see what's out there price-wise. We are, Kai, headed to my, one of my favorite times of the year, which is conference tourney time. Uh, is there anyone that sticks out to you that's maybe a sleeper for some of these conference tournament winners and, and like maybe in terms of like motivation for seating or just momentum or the teams that are favored, maybe taking their foot off the gas because they're getting ready for the tournament. Yeah. Maybe one team in a power conference is wake forest, uh, a team that doesn't have great uh, resume metrics right now. And, and they're firmly on the bubble despite ranking in the top 20 in Kempom. They just don't have a lot of high quality wins right now and thus they are outside in the bubble. But this team is is very good. Uh, their guard play is, is awesome. Uh, they have a really good front court rotation with Reed and Carr, and, and I like their coach, Steve Forbes. I think he's fantastic. That's a team that I think can make a pretty deep run in the ACC tournament, and you might get a pretty good price on them given that they're not UNC or Duke or Clemson or some of the other teams that are already kind of locked into the field. So it feels like right now, if we're talking about number one seeds in the tournament, you got Purdue, you got UConn, you got Houston, barring something crazy happening. That fourth spot feels open. A few different teams, maybe a Tennessee, mm-hmm. maybe an Arizona, maybe a North Carolina. If we were to assume, let's assume everything goes the way that it should, and those three teams I mentioned are the number one seeds. What's the team, the program, that you're the most confident in getting that fourth number one seed? Uh, Arizona, for sure. Yeah, and not only because... I expect them to win out in the Pac-12, but it's also kind of convenient for the committee to put them in the West region. Um, You always kind of struggle to get high seeds in that West region. Arizona fits the bill. Uh, Again, I don't think they're going to lose the remainder of the Pac-12 season, and they have the quality wins and the resume metrics. More importantly, importantly, the predictive metrics, which kind of dictate seeding a little bit more than resume metrics. They're top four in basically every single uh, predictive metric out there right now. 
makes sense that they'd be a one seed. UNC is probably the dark horse. If they went out in the ACC, if they go far, if they go far in the ACC tournament, I can see UNC getting that, that fourth one seed. We were talking about this last night, Kai. So you've got teams that we saw go deep in the tournament and and that were high seeds um, last year. UConn, Purdue, Houston, Arizona, and even to a certain degree, Tennessee. But it feels a little different than it did last year. How wide open do you think this is this year is compared to last year? Uh, extremely wide open. I, I thought last year was pretty wide open. I, I think this is that and then some. Uh, I, I would say in terms of title contenders, there's quite a bit more than we normally see. It's possible you have maybe eight to ten title contenders out there at this point, which usually you, you're pretty sure with four or six teams where where, where it's going to go. Uh, but yeah. A really wide open field. It's going to be another crazy tournament. Would not be surprised to see an FAU type of team crash the final four. It seems that's happening more and more. Um, and, and that's fun for, for March Madness. That's what makes it so great. Uh, I prefer a team not like San Diego State make the finals maybe for a little bit more excitement, but I do think it's going to be wide open. A lot of different teams can win it. Yeah, it's fun until we're betting on this tournament, Kai, and then we're sitting there right. just, just, just <laughs> frustrated. It's, it's one thing we talk about your brackets being busted. You expect that. It's another when you start talking about then all your bets just falling and you just look around going, fine, I, I give up. I got nothing. Talking to Kai McEwen, right. MGM tonight. You know, I actually want to go back to what you just said there now that I mm-hmm. think about it because, you know, you said that this feels more wide open. We've talked about that a lot on the show where it just feels like it's going to be a really unpredictable tournament. You may not even have an answer for this, but I'm going to ask and just see if you do anyway. Is there a reason or maybe some reasons as to why there feels like there's even more parity in college basketball and unpredictability this year? Because I feel like we've been trending in this direction for a while. Yeah, a combination of of the three big uh, kind of overarching things in in college basketball, the transfer portal, NIL, and the COVID year. I, I think those three things have afforded teams across the country to get better. Uh, and, and you see teams catching up with the quote-unquote blue bloods with some of these schools having some unexpected NIL um, outside of the Blue Bloods. They can go to the transfer portal and kind of have a secondary recruiting, not necessarily um, be penalized for missing out on these five-star recruits that only the Blue Bloods get. Now these other programs get these awesome transfers. Uh, and then the COVID year has certainly helped. Some of these guys have you know 50-year seniors that ordinarily would not be there. That just strengthens their team even more, makes them more experienced. Yeah, that's that's interesting. You talk about teams that we would normally see in the mix, not in the mix, maybe because of NIL. You look at UCLA, they're just super disappointing. Yep. They've been a perennial Final Four team. Mick Cronin, obviously, really good coach and has been for a long time. Um, they have to win the Pac-12 tournament or they're probably going to be watching March Madness mm-hmm. from the couch. What do you think happens to Mick Cronin and, and his future with UCLA? He says he wants to stay, but... All I hear are rumblings that he's probably going to be moving on. If he's offered Louisville, I wouldn't be surprised if he went to Louisville. Um, Otherwise, I'm not sure if he's in the running for in Ohio State, something like that. I can see him bolting for both those jobs. Um, Him at UCLA never really made a whole lot of sense in terms of style and and coaching philosophy, I guess. I mean, he was like their 10th choice, if you remember (laughs) the whole uh, hiring process. But he is a great coach. UCLA is lucky to have him. This year... They went young. They they got the mostly freshman international guys who take time to marinate a little bit and to to actually 
get better. They lost a lot of right talent last year with Jaime Jaquez, um, those other pros they had in their team. So I, I think he can bounce back next season. I, I don't think this season was totally lost. They're playing a lot better. But, yeah, I would not be surprised if he left for a Louisville or an Ohio State type of job. You know, Kai, I'm looking at, you know, all these different bracketology. I mean, there's different people with different ones, but, like, there's this is where everybody wants to talk about last four in and who's on the bubble, and it's it's a yearly tradition. And, and they're talking now about expanding this tournament beyond 68 teams. Does that feel inevitable to you, and do you like that idea of expanding this anymore? Unfortunately, it feels inevitable. No, I hate it. I, I don't know why we're trying to fix what's not broken. Uh, I think most people would agree – March Madness is the best postseason tournament in, in any sport. Um, you know, maybe you have your opinion on the Super Bowl, for instance, but March Madness to me is the pinnacle and it's perfect. I don't know why we feel the need to maybe expand it to 80 plus teams or 120. You think about which teams are being left out that who is this really for? Is it because these power conferences are getting so big that they feel like the teams finishing ninth and 10th in these leagues don't have a shot at the tournament? most likely it's always about money but for me i i like it the way it is i, I prefer to say the way it is unfortunately it doesn't seem like that's going to happen what are your thoughts on on florida because there are a lot mm -hmm. of touts that have them as a sleeper sweet, sweet 16 team obviously they're very hot they've won eight of ten <clears throat> they lost to a&m and bama by only one in five points respectively like, to you what is florida's upside obviously they've got the pedigree and do you think they go as far as Walter Clayton leads them? Yeah, uh, love their coach, Todd Golden. He's very analytically sound. They have a great coaching staff. Uh, so their game plans are going to be always on point and in a tournament setting. I, I like that in terms of the prep factor. My one worry with them is they do rely on a twin tower sort of lineup. They play two true bigs, usually Tyree Samuel and Micah Hanlockton. I don't think that's going to work necessarily for a deep run in the tournament. I think you need to have more of a mobile four out there. Not saying they can't really play that lineup. However, right now, the way they've been playing the entire season with those two true bigs, I'm not sure that sets up well in a tournament setting where people can exploit that uh, more easily than they can in the regular season. You know, I'm looking at Iowa State. They've been a fun team to kind of watch for a while. They had 16 games, that 16 game. well, they still do. They've won 16 straight games at home. They had a big win over Kansas earlier this year. They kind of feel like, to me, a team that, they like, they, if there was ever a year where there was a, a team that kind of quietly could jump into the, at least the AP top 10 and then find a way to make a lot of noise in the tournament, they feel like they've got that resume to maybe be that team. Could you see them being one of those, like, hey, let's get to an elite eight, or would that be maybe too far of a ceiling, too high of a ceiling for a team like that? Yeah, maybe elite eight's the ceiling there. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I, Iowa State's defense is incredible, right? Top five in the country. The problem is I, I think their offense is limited. I think it has a ceiling, yeah. uh, tends to stagnate. And also, their home court is incredible, right? Hilton Coliseum is, is one of the best venues in college basketball. A lot of their big wins this year have come at home. I think that hurts yeah. them in a tournament setting where they're obviously not at home playing in neutral uh, courts. Just different. Yeah, that's uh, that's fascinating. You you and I have been on the UConn train uh, for pretty much all year. I've been pitching you since they were 20 to 1. They are now really the, yeah. the betting favorite, plus 500 <laughs> now. Um, yeah. Kind of seems like they have the most consistent offense. Of mm -hmm. those four teams that you think are probably going to be one seeds, Outside of UConn, who do you think has the most consistent offense and defense to make a deep run? 
Yeah, if you're looking at both sides of the ball, uh, the answer is probably Houston. And I know that sounds weird. Um, you think of them offensively, uh, but they are so good rebounding the basketball and they do not turn it over that that's what sort of stems their consistency. Now, they can stagnate. They can miss shots. But I think they're so good offensive rebounding and, I'm, and they're so good protecting the ball that it makes them uh, very, very difficult to, to throw off their game. And the defense is there 100% of the time. They've made elite eight runs last couple of years without key guys in the lineup. I think a more healthy Houston team this season with Arsenault excluded, he was hurt earlier in the year, can make a deep run, make a Final Four. Kai, everybody's talking about it in college basketball. It would be a crime if I didn't ask you. Court storming. Should it be banned at this point? <laughs> no, absolutely stupid. No. <laughs> Don't ban court storming. It's, it's one of the most fun things in college basketball. I, I, I hate it. I hate the take. I won't go into my, my feelings about the Duke thing, but let's just say if that happened in a MEAC game or a Southland game, we would not be having a debate right now. Yeah, no, it's a it's a Duke thing. Duke always gets uh, extra yeah. <laughs> love and attention, pampering. Everyone wants to come to their aid. Former Dukies are in the media getting outraged. Before we let you run, this is a niche question, and it's something that people probably aren't talking about enough, which is Minnesota, the Gophers, have just been a wagon against the spread, mm -hmm. killing everyone, number one pretty much all year. And by a, like, by a lot against the spread compared to their next best. Is it as simple as just continuing to bet them? They play tomorrow, and, and, and why? I haven't watched a single game, but I have made more money on them than probably anyone else this year. Yeah, 23-4. and four. It's crazy. Uh, luck <laughs> is number one. Variance, obviously. I don't think they're, they're doing necessarily anything special. But Ben Johnson, he knows how to stay in games, right? They're, they're usually a dog. They're not moving up and down very much in, in the analytical rankings, but they do just enough in every game to keep it close. Uh, he, controlled it, he controls the tempo really well. He finally has a healthy team up there uh, with enough talented players to keep games close. They scrap really hard. They, they play uh, very connected basketball. It's ironic that they're the best cover team in the country, and yet they're probably going to miss the tournament, barring something miraculous. Uh, yeah, they just hang in games. Obviously, it's mostly variance going forward. They're probably priced correctly now in the market. You keep saying, I, I know we keep saying that probably last few weeks, but at like 67th right now in Kempom, that feels like what they truly are. I, I think they're priced pretty correctly in the market. But you know what, Kai? If they expand the tournament, then they can get in and then everybody's going to be happy, yeah, right? right? Then we'll there make sure every single team <laughs> that belongs is in there. Kai McEwen, three man weave. Great to talk to you again, man. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, Trista, it's, we know it's inevitable. We know this tournament's going to get expanded. But, like, I, I'm with him. There's a certain point where you start watering down the product. And then it get like, I'm fine with a 12-team college football playoff. They have already talked about 14. I think it's going to keep expanding. I'm fine with that. But when we get to the point now, we're talking 96 teams in March Madness. It's too much. You're watering the damn thing down. And you're taking away from the competitiveness of there. At that point, why don't we just let every team in the NBA go to the playoffs while we're at it? Yeah. More games to bet, though. More money to make. Maybe. Maybe. But if, if you know how this or can go. March Madness can be. <laughs> right. It, could, it can go both ways. We want it to be money to make. But that doesn't guarantee that that's actually going to be the case. I can't wait for this tournament, though. But I know we're going to be sitting on this show getting insanely frustrated with quite a few games as things go on because that's just the way the damn thing works. So are the Heat gearing up for another long playoff run? Bet MGM tonight.
And so far, the Sacramento Kings have notched 19 assists at the offensive end. Right now, playing defense, Hawkes rolls in the hook shot. Wow. Now, back to BetMGM tonight on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Yeah, Jaime Hawkes and the Miami Heat have won eight of their last ten games. He's playing in normal years like a rookie of the year. We just know he's definitely not going to win it this year, Trista. I think without question, we don't have to worry about that. But, you know, the Miami Heat are a team now that after what they did last year and what we've obviously seen over the last few years, and let's call it the Jimmy Butler era and the Heat culture era that's gone on over multiple generations of players, they're the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference. They've won four straight, including those eight of their last ten games. They look like a team once again, and I, I said it last night, and I, I think it, we can't we can't count them out ever. They even don't like they've got guys suspended, they got guys injured. They're still finding ways to win games. I hate to say this, but we may get to the point where we've got the the Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals again, Trista. Yeah, it's one of those one of those teams that's just very pesky. You can never count them out. Their regular season metrics don't always look great. And then they come to the postseason and they are dragon slayers. So you look at them against the spread. They played Portland tonight. I think they're seven-point favorites. They've got nobody mm -hmm, going. Mm -hmm. I would absolutely yeah. hammer the Heat tonight. They're 12-5 and five against the spread. Uh, they've won seven straight against the spread. So this is a team that even without Jimmy Butler, even without Tyler Hero and Josh Richardson and – guys that they've needed, like even Thomas Bryant to to protect the paint. With Jaime Jaquez and Bam Adebayo, they've been still really good, and that's just kind of what Eric Spolstra does. To win the Eastern Conference at 14-1, to that's something that I'm very intrigued by. That's something that I think I kind of might have to do. It's, it's, it's to the point now where when we talk about not counting out Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, even at their lowest point, you kind of have that same mindset where you see a price. The price makes sense given where they are in the standings. Yet at the same time, it's more tempting because of what the ability of this team actually is. You know, it's crazy. You talk, We talk about this, you know, 10-game stretch, right? And they're 9-1 against the spread over the last 10. The big thing for them, too, with the Heat specifically, if you're looking for another angle to bet them, even besides winning the East, if you don't maybe want, you're maybe a little little cautious about even that 14-1 to 1 to win the East, or, you know, it's minus 225 to win the division. That's not really that valuable, obviously, so you don't really want anything to do with that. They've actually gone over just twice. Their games have gone over just twice in the last 10 games. They're allowing just 102.6 points a game. They're putting up 112 a game over that 10-game span, though. So they're scoring at a decent pace, but they're not allowing other teams to score. And what's always made the Miami Heat so good has been the toughness, has been their defense, has been their discipline. And when you've got other guys stepping up in a situation when you don't have Jimmy Butler, when you don't have Tyler Hero, Bam Adebayo putting up, what, 28 like he did last night. Yes. I, I mean, this is now getting back to the Heat team that we're used to seeing. They're playing their brand of basketball again. So even in the short term, I think, with the Heat, maybe you start targeting unders. Maybe you look at their opponent's team totals and start taking the unders there. That might be something to even consider tonight, too, though I'm with you. Probably take Miami covering tonight against your Portland Trailblazers, unfortunately. Uh, they're, they're not very good right now. So, But it's just you watch them, and they're turning it on at just the right time. And I get that's only March. We have we got a third of the season left, give or take. And, you know, this is – it's it's trending up at just the right time for Miami. 
Yeah, Bam Adebayo's player point number tonight is 19.5, which is what it was actually last night. I love that. The only way he doesn't have 20 or more is if they blow out Portland so early that he's got to sit down. Jeremy Grant's number is 21.5. Anthony Simons is 22.5. His number is unusually low considering that there's nobody else out there playing. It's just him and Jimmy Butler. Everybody else has just been kind of, you know, either sidelined due to these suspensions or injuries. Terry Rozier is back. Jaime Hawkes, though, his number is 11.5. I wouldn't hate maybe looking at his player props too. Yeah, he, he really has been somebody that, uh, you know, is he's kind of lost in the shuffle because of the other stars they have there and because of, again, Chet and Wemby, the two rookies and the types of season they're having. You know, but in normal years, we'd be talking about Jaime Jaquez potentially winning Rookie of the Year. Like, let's say he was in next year's rookie class. He might end up being the best rookie oh, yeah. in that entire class when it's all said and done. He had 26 last night against the Kings in Sacramento at Golden 1. He played damn near 40 minutes. So, I like... And I know Jimmy Butler didn't play, so he got a lot of those Jimmy Butler minutes. But yeah. his number is was eleven and a half, folks. I know it's juice minus one eighteen to the under, but I'm I'm riding Jaime Hawkes till the wheels fall off. You know, it, it goes to show too. Like I know, look, the biggest stars in college basketball bolt after a year. I, I get it, right? They they want to draft these guys young and develop them, but there's something to be said for someone that has college experience. Like it really matters for quarterback, but I st- it's there's still value even in college basketball transitioning to the NBA, where Jaime Hawkes stayed longer. And, and look at him now; he came in and he was prepared, and it works out perfectly for the system that he's in, for the team that he's in, and a lot of that just comes down to experience. And if you read like what Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler and some of these guys have to say about him. I th- they love the guy. They love him. And this is a rookie that's come into a team that's had a lot of success, a lot of winning, and a lot of veterans. For him to be able to work his way into that team, I, I mean, he really is the – he's – because, look, Jimmy Butler's only getting older. Bam is still – you know, he's still entering the prime in the prime of his career. But Ime Hawkins is probably a big part of this team's future now. And he just was – like, he was, right, he was just the perfect player to just drop right into this organization. Yeah, I had a talk today with D'Lo and Casey in Sacramento, and and Casey was saying, why didn't Portland just take that trade and trade Dame to the Miami Heat so that you get Jaime Hawkes, so that you could get Tyler Hero and Nikola Jovic and a couple of picks. And I don't think Jaime Hawkes is this player if he gets traded to Portland and goes to an organization that doesn't have that kind of winning DNA. No chance. I think he's maybe just a nice player. He's averaging six points per game who knows where they're putting him on the court who knows how many minutes he's getting behind you know someone like Jeremy Grant so Jaime Hawkins is just in the right spot at the right time and trying to play revisionist history and saying that Portland should have traded Dame where he wanted to go because of Jaime Hawkins is kind of absurd honestly but I think that's a great testament, too, to why, like, culture matters, right? Like, culture matters in any workplace, and it certainly matters in the locker room. It matters on the court. It matters for teams that have that winning standard that will just have standards in general. Like, I just saw a quote McCall Hartman. I, McCall Hartman just, like, ripped the Jets' offense this year and said there were no standards. Everybody was doing whatever the hell they wanted. And, I mean, again, you're going from the Kansas City Chiefs to the Jets and then obviously back there, but, like, the comparison of those two cultures is polar opposites. But you just – 
you can see it. People buy in. It, you, you take your game to an extra level. There's, you hope at least, more time in the film room. There's more time in the gym, putting in the extra work because you want to be a part of that culture, which is honestly what I thought Jordan Poole was going to be leaving the Warriors. I thought he'd actually bring something better, but clearly that hasn't been the case. But, like, you see that, right? I think that's a really good point that just – it doesn't mean that he wouldn't work as hard if he was in Portland versus Miami, but – it's the role, it's the coaching, it's the roster that's around him. And let's be honest, too, it helps when you have Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo to take a lot of the defense's attention away so Jaime Jaquez can go out there and work and his one-on-one game gets stronger and stronger every week. No, you're you're 100% right with that. I mean, that's why Miami consistently does what we are betting on them to do is take down mm-hmm. teams. And you know what you might want to do, actually, other than just playing maybe Miami – plus 1,400 to win the Eastern Conference, you probably could do that whole rollover thing series by series because they're probably going to be, say they're like a right now, what are they, a five seed, six seed? So you look at the NBA standings and you say, okay, who who are they most likely going to play? So probably going to play the Bucs. I would take the Heat to win in that series against the Bucs. I don't know what the price will be. Maybe it's plus 270 for them to win that series. And then they end up playing a team like, the Cavs or the Celtics, and then you take them to win there. So you consistently roll those that money over. Say you put a hundred dollars in them to beat to beat the uh, to beat the Bucks. Then you take that whole money, the original hundred plus what you won against the Bucks, and then you put that into the next series as well. You're probably getting somewhere close to what you uh, would get with just them plus fourteen hundred to win the East. If you're just rolling it all all, all the way over. Yeah, and at least you can take it series by series as opposed to sit there and sweat it out all the way until you get to the NBA Finals. So, yeah, sometimes that is a better strategy. I think that's another great way to go. So, clearly, there's a lot of different directions that you can go with the Heat. Also, once a day, you can play the BetMGM free-to-play BetMGM Fast Break for a chance to win daily prizes, including a bonus bet. You can play as the point guard, choose to pass to Kevin Garnett, maybe Jalen Rose, take yourself in for a dunk. If you score, you get a prize. It's right at the very top promotions page on the app on the website. All of it is there. Speaking of team totals for the Blazers tonight, Trista, 102.5. That's what we're looking at at minus 115. You know, Jam has a ton of alternate team total numbers in that, uh, but you're looking at minus 115 for 102.5. You can take the – that's for the over. Now, if we want to go under, we could go, let's say, maybe we'll just go boost it up a little bit. We could go under 103.5, minus 135. It's a little juicy, but I don't know. Maybe that's what we do is we start taking the under on team totals for – somebody playing the heat but that is that number is pretty sharp i'll be honest with you because that's right around what the heat have been allowing points wise to their opponents over the last 10 games so uh i may just i'm absolutely side with going under the, uh, there yeah i'm going yeah, under I, I there think, did you see I, what I, happened I, on sunday with your blazers yes they lost very upset 93 yeah, yeah. to 80 they put up 80 points yeah. at home on sunday they're yeah. putting 70 points up today it's just going to be disgusting. <laughs> what have the Blazers done their last 10 games? Blazers, point. I'm going to look it up right now because I want to know. They had, 91, they had 91 against Minnesota. They put up 112 against Denver, but let's be honest, like Denver probably rested their starters. This was at home as well. 80 against Charlotte. Throw out the 112 against Denver. 91 against Minnesota. 109 against Minnesota. 84 against Minnesota. Took Detroit to overtime, so take that out. 103 to mm-hmm. de- to Denver, 108 to Denver. Obviously, Milwaukee can't guard anybody, so they put up 116. Um, which they actually beat Milwaukee on uh, New Year's Eve, 
104 to Philadelphia, 96 to Chicago. I mean, this is an under team total team. Like, this is just what they have. You have to do. It's what you have to do. They're averaging 105.8 a game in their last 10 games. But like you said, there was an overtime game to kind of boost that a little bit. Uh, and against this Heat team and how they locked down, yeah, I think the under on the team total for the Blazers, yeah, I think that th- this feels like a solid, solid play tonight. Maybe even you parlay that with the Heat minus seven and a half, and then there you go. A little, little two-legger. I love that. Why not? I love that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just every single year with the Heat. You think they're done, and they just figure out a way. It is... It is an organization that, in the end, I think anybody that is not a fan of that team, you're just jealous. You wish your team was run the same way. It has the shelf life. It ends eventually, but let's be honest. Ugh. Every single year you count the heat in. Bet MGM the night.